Hello and welcome to Meiwei's Chinese Medicine Matters podcast, where we share traditional Chinese medicine news, research, and topics relevant to TCM practitioners and students. I'm Lauren Kaufelt, and today's episode, TCM Heat and Inflammation, was written and is read by Sky Sturgeon, the Quality Assurance Manager here at Meiwei. Formerly, Sky was the chair of acupuncture and East Asian medicine and core faculty member at Bastyr University, core faculty member and faculty council chair at the American College of Traditional Chinese Medicine, and president and senior professor of the Acupuncture and Integrative Medicine College, Berkeley. TCM Heat and Inflammation. Recently, a practitioner contacted Meiwei asking for clarification of the difference between lingering evil qi and latent heat. Are these ideas the same or different? How do these ideas relate to the role of inflammation in the body? First, let's investigate lingering evil qi. In traditional Chinese medicine, lingering evil qi is known as fu xie, literally concealed evil qi. Fu xie was described in both the Shanhan Long and Wen Bing. Essentially, it is a source of disharmony that remains in the body after recovery from an illness that induces chronic or intermittent clinical signs that are inconsistent with what would be considered normal health. The cause of this disharmony could be a remaining etiological factor, Bing Xie, that has not been completely dispelled or cleared from the body. The original factor that may once have been present has diminished so that only an echo remains. Almost always, nothing can be detected serologically, and the clinical signs often recur when a person is fatigued or stressed and the individual simply does not feel well. Arguably, the Bing Shi may indeed be absent, and the disharmony is a natural result of the body's response to the insult via the functioning of the antipathogenic qi. For example, damaged tissue due to the inflammatory response of the immune system. Regardless, the result for these individuals is that the upright qi, zheng qi, is compromised. When the initial symptoms of lingering evil qi appear, they look like a warm disease without the formal progression from superficial to deep. Symptoms are characteristic of internal heat or damp heat, yim damage, qi deficiency, or possibly blood stasis. The original etiological factor involved is either heat or damp heat, which have been seemingly dispelled, cleared, or resolved but remnants settle in the lower qi, ying, or shui levels. Or alternatively, in the shaoyang, taiyin, or shaoyin stages. Often this disharmony is located within a particular level or location in the body and can primarily affect a specific zhang fu or sometimes multiple organ systems or tissues, including blood vessels, the brain, and the nervous system. Heat in the body can be the nature of the etiological factor or the result of any Bing Shi turning into heat when it encounters the Wei and Zheng Qi. 
a young, expansive Bing Shea, heat can quickly change locations. Heat damages the yin, which may result in yin-deficient heat, and at the deeper levels, heat congeals blood. Individuals with damp constitutions, including those with excess adipose tissue and those who consume damp diets, for example, high fat or ex excess alcohol use, are more susceptible to damp heat causing disharmonies. Damp heat is mixed yin and yang bing shei. The heat cooks the damp, making it viscous and sticky, while the dampness is said to wrap the heat, muting its expression and making it more difficult to clear. Fatigue is a common component of lingering evil chi. It is usually not related to energy expenditure and may be worse with inactivity or sleep. This fatigue may be accompanied with a sense of weakness that is both mental and physical and may include tired and weak muscles, foggy headedness, and poor concentration. Now let's consider latent heat. Latent heat, Qian Rei, is a Chinese medicine concept that has ancient origins dating to the Huangdi Neijing and the Shanhanlong, first appearing in chapters 3 and 5 of the Su Wen. It was used to explain how the exposure of a cold pathogen, believed to occur in winter, changed the heat in the spring. The cold may or may not have caused an acute disease, but when the yang element arose in the spring, the cold was transformed in the body into a heat pattern. The source of this heat was described as latent, that is, inactive or suspended in growth or development, awaiting a spark to become active. Primarily, latent heat was a theoretical explanation about how a cold-induced disorder could become heat. Later, the context of winter exposure and spring disease was abandoned because the phenomenon of heat could occur in any season. Currently, latent heat is a useful concept to explain how internal organ or blood heat can arise without obvious disease proceeding through the four levels or six stages. Various teachers have described examples of latent heat that include repressed emotions, especially anger and frustration leading to liver heat, yin deficient heat, and suppression of symptoms from disease without treating the root cause, and others. In recent years, and certainly not a TCM concept, the idea that vaccines or immunizations can cause latent heat have been suggested. This being due to the antibodies created from the adaptive response to the vaccine kill the pathogen without expelling it or engaging the innate immune system, which includes the healing of damaged tissue at the end of a normal disease process. Other proposed sources of latent heat include recreational or in some cases prescription drug use, including alcohol, tobacco, cannabis, and others heavy metals, pesticides, and other vaguely named toxins. Latent heat as a source of disease can thus be understood in terms of its inflammatory effects. What exactly then is inflammation and how does it relate to heat in traditional Chinese medicine? 
The two concepts are closely related and a discussion of inflammation may aid in the understanding of heat and TCM. Inflammation is one of the primary strategic features of the immune system. Inflammation is a protective response by cells and tissues that have been damaged by pathogenic influences including viruses, bacteria, fungi, and allergens, chemical irritants such as heavy metals, pesticides, endocrine mimics, chlorinated hydrocarbons, dioxins, PCBs, and others, thermal and chemical burns, ionizing radiative sources such as ultraviolet x-rays and gamma rays, trauma, and more. The function of inflammation is to eliminate the initial cause of the cell injury, remove damaged or necrotic cells and or tissue that result from the inflammation, and importantly, initiate the repair mechanism and healing. The five easily observed signs and symptoms of inflammation are first of all heat, that is an increase in temperature, either local or systemic, which may include fever and or diaphoresis. The other four are redness, swelling, pain, and loss of function. The redness and heat are due to the vasodilation of arterioles and the localized increase in blood flow. This results in increased oxygen perfusion and metabolic activity, both of which are critical to healing and resolution. The swelling and pain are caused by increased capillary permeability and exudate formation with accompanying serum proteins which signal a pain response to the central nervous system and clotting factors. The swelling and pain also cause reduced function and promote rest, which is necessary for healing. When there is an insufficient or inadequate inflammatory response, this can lead to progressive tissue damage being caused by the pathogen, irritant, or other harmful stimulus, which can lead to severe tissue damage, organ failure, or death of the organism. If the inflammation is unable to be controlled, the result can be chronic disease, such as irritable bowel syndrome, atherosclerosis, or so-called autoimmune diseases. Although we tend to think of the immune system as a thing, it is incredibly complex, as the name system implies. Also, there is a tendency in TCM circles to equate the TCM concept of Wei Qi with the immune system, which can lead to confusion and oversimplification. While there are obvious areas of conceptual overlap, the biomedical immune system must include other types of Qi, plus aspects of the TCM concepts of blood, yin, and marrow to be properly understood. The following discussion is intended to touch on the highlights and is not meant to be comprehensive. The first line of defense in protecting the body is barrier immunity. The prevention of the entry of harmful substances falls on the various physical and chemical properties found on or near the surface of the body. These passive barriers include the skin, mucous membranes, saliva, tears, stomach acid, and urine. If these barriers are unable to keep the pathogens out of the body, the active immunity is engaged. Active immunity is comprised of innate and adaptive immunity, 
and both are characterized by humoral and cell-mediated components. Inflammation is activated by the second part of innate immunity when the barriers to harmful agents have been breached. Cell and tissue injury initiate the release of polymorphonuclear leukocytes, which are white blood cells, that are responsible for the creation of chemical mediators including histamines, prostaglandins, thromboxanes, cytokines, leukotrienes, and several more. These chemicals cause the constriction of blood vessels, capillaries, bronchiolar smooth muscle cells, vasodilation, and attract eosinophils and more polymorphonuclear leukocytes. Among the leukocytic immune cells are monocytes, which are precursor leukocytes, neutrophils, and macrophages, both of which are phagocytes that engulf and digest foreign cells, basophils, and eosinophils, both of which are inflammatory cells and are often found in allergic reactions. Another lymphocytic cell associated with innate immunity is the natural killer cell that targets infected body cells by detecting changes in surface receptors of previously healthy cells and then destroying those cells. Collectively, these chemicals and cells create the five cardinal signs of inflammation mentioned above. This acute response is intended to rid the host of the foreign agents that induce the inflammatory response. In addition to the cell-mediated action of the leukocytes, there are specialized serum proteins that circulate freely in blood. This is the humoral component, known as the complement system, which attack and destroy microbes by recognizing cellular receptors, which are also proteins, found on the microbe or when pathogens have been bound by antibodies. There is an increased blood flow to the injured area and the swelling is bound by cells engaged in phagocytosis, fibrin from clotted blood, and leukocytes involved in tissue repair. Ideally, there will be complete restoration of the inflamed tissue back to normal status. Inflammatory measures such as vasodilation, chemical production, and leukocyte infiltration cease and damaged cells regenerate or are replaced with healthy tissue. When there are substantial amounts of tissue destruction or when the damage in tissues cannot be regenerated, fibrous scarring occurs in these areas of damage, forming a scar that is primarily composed of collagen. The scar tissue may also cause functional impairment. Sometimes the influx of polymorphonuclear leukocytes, serum proteins and fluid, live and dead cells, tissue debris, and the infectious agent are contained in a purulent abscess. The liquid suspension contained within the abscess is commonly referred to as pus. Over time, the abscess is usually resolved during the treatment for the pathogen. Otherwise, aspiration or surgical resection may be necessary. In vertebrates, the adaptive immune system is acquired over the life of the organism in which this subset of immunity prepares the body for pathogens it has already encountered. Adaptive immunity relies on the capacity of immune cells to distinguish between the body's own cells and pathogens. Antigens can be proteins, peptide chains, polysaccharides, lipids, or nucleic acids. 
Vaccines are externally created antigens that are designed to induce the memory function of the adaptive immune system to combat subsequent introduction of a specific pathogen. The immunity from vaccine can last for months to years. Many vaccines require a booster since the immunity derived from this challenge can wane. The adaptive response is carried out by two types of lymphocytes known as B cells and T cells, which are produced by the stem cells in the bone marrow. T cells are further developed in the thymus. There are several types of T cells, including CD4 helper cells, which manage the immune response, and CD8 killer cells, which destroy cells identified as not self. When B cells are activated by antigens, they secrete antibodies, which are immunoglobulin proteins. There are five types of antibodies, IgA, IgD, IgE, IgG, and IgM, which have biological properties that have evolved to recognize unique antigens and to neutralize specific pathogens. Interestingly, the adaptive immune system only induces inflammation when the debris from cells which have undergone apoptosis is not resolved or in the case of autoimmunity. Vaccines only rarely create inflammation except when there is an allergic response to components of the vaccine. Chronic inflammation occurs when the injurious agent persists or if the innate healing offered by the actions of the immune response fails. And this is a common feature of many chronic diseases such as diabetes, asthma, cancer, cardiovascular diseases including arterial sclerosis, COPD, chronic kidney disease, allergies, and many others. Macrophages, lymphocytes, and antibody-producing plasma cells predominate in chronic inflammation in contrast to neutrophils in acute inflammation. Chronic inflammation also results when the innate inflammatory response is not actively terminated. Otherwise, nearby cells and tissue may be damaged or destroyed by the inflammatory process. The presence of this damage engenders a continuing inflammatory response. The resolution of the inflammatory response occurs via several different mechanisms, including the relative short half-life of all the inflammatory mediators, which usually operate for four to nine days. Biomedical strategies include the use of anti-inflammatory drugs, such as non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, called NSAIDs, and steroidal-based drugs, such as prednisone or hydrocortisone, which are synthetic glucocorticoids and derivatives of natural cortisone. NSAIDs act by inhibition of the enzyme cyclooxygenase, which is necessary for the synthesis and release of prostaglandins and thromboxanes, and by inhibiting the activation of neutrophils, which provoke inflammation by releasing other chemical messengers. NSAIDs are accompanied by potential adverse effects in gastric mucosa, renal hemodynamics, electrolytes, cardiac rhythms, thromboembolic events, and antiplatelet activity. Prednisone is widely used because it is a powerful suppressor of a wide variety of inflammatory events and for its ability to suppress autoimmune diseases. Prednisone can cause high blood glucose levels, hypertension, 
fluid retention, depression, and anxiety in the short term. Long-term effects include weight gain, non-insulin-dependent diabetes mellitus, osteoporosis, Cushing syndrome, and many others. Nearly everyone at some point in their lives encounters a heat pathogen attacking the whey level. In traditional Chinese medicine, this may be clinically described as wind heat or toxic heat, and the treatment principle is to use cool, acrid herbs that release the exterior. In TCM, the clear heat category of herbs is one of the largest in the Materia Medica. Some are cold herbs that drain fire from the lungs, liver, or stomach. Some are cold, bitter, salty, or sweet herbs that cool blood. Others are cold and bitter herbs that clear heat and drain dampness or the large category of cold herbs that resolve fire toxin, which is used to describe diverse types of virulent infections, including various viruses. Finally, there are bitter, sweet, or salty cold herbs that clear heat due to yin deficiency. These herbs work by working with the body's immune system, facilitating the innate inflammatory response, controlling or limiting the extent of inflammation, and promoting the healing of infected tissue. It has been estimated that 60% of Americans suffer from at least one chronic inflammatory condition. This condition of chronic inflammation is not simply a deficiency of Wei Qi, although that may be present. Degrees of Qi, Yin, and blood deficiency are also found in such patients, which then require the use of herbs from those corresponding categories. As described above, these deficiencies develop from lifestyle choices that include cigarette smoking, alcohol and recreational drug use, obesity, poor diet, lack of adequate sleep, inadequate hydration, stress, and exposure to environmental toxins found in air, water, and food. In conclusion, it seems apparent that the TCM concept of heat encompasses both lingering pathogen and latent heat and is closely related to the numerous ways that inflammation is used by the body to rid itself and heal from harmful influences. Following the treatment principle of first removing excess, this means that the main task is to clear heat from whatever etiological cause, not only combating external pathogenic influences that cause infectious disease, but also the removal or mitigation of other environmental toxins as well. Consideration must then focus on ensuring that any deficiencies caused by the employment of the innate and adaptive immune system are supported and tonified. Otherwise, these chronic diseases that are prevalent in today's world may prove intractable. We covered a lot in this episode, so if you want to read the article on your own or access any of the links that were mentioned, You can find all of that information linked in the episode description. And please subscribe to this show. It's a great way to show your support and to hear when our next episodes come out. Our next episode is on The Legend of the White Phoenix, written by Elisa Wrinkle. Until then, take good care of yourself and your patients. Chinese medicine matters, and so do you. Hello and welcome to Meiwei's Chinese Medicine Matters podcast, 
where we share traditional Chinese medicine news, research, and topics relevant to TCM practitioners and students. I'm Lauren Kaufelt, and today's episode, TCM Heat and Inflammation, was written and is read by Sky Sturgeon, the Quality Assurance Manager here at Meiwei. Formerly, Sky was the Chair of Acupuncture and East Asian Medicine and core faculty member at Bastyr University. Core faculty member and faculty council chair at the American College of Traditional Chinese Medicine and president and senior professor of the Acupuncture and Integrative Medicine College, Berkeley. Hi everyone, Lauren here again, wishing you a happy and healthy May. As many of you know, Chinese Medicine Matters is the podcast of Mayway Herbs, a TCM online store and dispensary where practitioners can ship directly to their patients. This month on Chinese Medicine Matters, we're focusing on women's health. We'll explore a wide array of topics related to women's health at different stages of life. So stay tuned for informative episodes you won't want to miss. And we're excited to offer a special discount on our Women's Health Formulas category the entire month of May. Practitioners use code WOMEN24 at checkout on Mayway.com to receive a 15% discount. And remember to sign up for the Mayway Herbs newsletter for exclusive content and ongoing promotions. The episode description includes a link to sign up. And thanks again for tuning in and supporting Real Chinese Medicine.